0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air.
1: Hello and welcome to MS Momentum, the radio show for people with MS, their family, whanau and support teams. Now this month's special guest is Gillian, who is a health and disability advocate who I'm sure many of you will know. Now hello and welcome Gillian, lovely to see you again and to have you on the show again. Thank you, Val. Let's be honest, I do push to come and talk to <laughs> your members.
2: So we start off as we mean to
1: go on. Yes, absolutely. On this show, we're going to talk through the differences between the Health and Disability Commission and the advocacy that is the work that you do, because there's some confusion. So shall we start with how the organisation started in response to? Let's do a wee bit of homework on the background. Yes.
2: So um interestingly, or you might not think so, but I do. Mm. Um, this is the twenty fifth anniversary of this legislation. So this quarter is cold. of a century. Quarter of a century. So Sylvia Cartwright investigated mm. what was happening at National Women's Hospital when two women, Sandra Coney and Philadebunkel, wrote yeah. a piece in the Metro magazine way back in nineteen eighty seven. I think it hit and our own professor David Skegg, who's quite known at the moment through the COVID Situation. He classified this as the unfortunate experiment. That's how I remember it. Indeed. And so in a nutshell, the main thing that happened was a group of women were not told that they were developing a um, pre-cancerous condition, Mm -hmm. cervical cancer, and were left year after year when they were recalled for their smear tests, were not told that they were deteriorating in health. And so Sylvia was asked to investigate and to come up with recommendations as to how to make sure this sort of thing couldn't happen happen again yeah. and she stressed that we needed uh, more robust ethics committees and also consumer legislation mm. and that's where we got the Health and Disability Commissioner Act which came in in 96 yeah. and the, a lot of that act is dealing with setting up the agency I work for, the Health and Disability Advocacy Service. So we are set up under a piece of legislation, Mm -hmm. but we do not work for the Health and Disability Commissioner. And this is the the misapprehension that a lot of people have, that a Health and Disability Advocate works for the Health and Disability Commissioner. So we're set up in law under the same law, but we're a completely independent organisation. We're... we're, um, Community, uh, non-government organisation, charitable mm. trust. NGO. We're yep. a charitable trust. So, yeah, not don't belong to HDC or any of the DHBs or the Ministry of Health or anybody. We're
1: completely separate. So that took a long time from Dame's... Sylvia's recommendations to actually getting it through?
2: There was a two year period where anybody could have a say in what they thought the legislation should include. So all of the professional bodies, they had their codes of ethics and really what happened was the law codified what was already out there Mm. but it puts it all in one place. So the Health and Disability Commissioner Act applies to every single person in New Zealand who offers a service that deals with a health or a disability whether it's volunteering, whether it's paid for, whether it's um, complimentary or alternative Yeah, uh, you know, I could suddenly decide I'm a colour therapist and tell you to wear yellow on Wednesday yes. and you'll win lotto <laughs> or something um, or if I made a health prediction for you, yeah, then yes. it's a silly example but just because I'm not qualified or charging you I would still have to be acting in accordance with the Health and Disability Commissioner Act so it covers anybody who says they're offering a health or disability service in New Zealand
1: That's actually that's really good For people that use health and disability because there are um, snake oil salesmen around. They frustrate me greatly um, because people, particularly people who are... Are desperate for a cure or a way of being Mm -hmm. pain free or having, you know, having a better life. Absolutely, will buy into stuff that they think is going to help them. Well, you might have noticed
2: in conjunction with this, the the uh, Medications Act. You think of TV advertising; they can Mm. no longer say this special gel will cure XYZ. They say it may assist with. Knee yes. health <laughs> they can they can't make false claims about efficacy. it's got to be proven, so same with our legislation you you can't offer a health service and then say that you're not covered by this legislation. so it's really a consumer um, mm. it's there to for the quality and safety of consumers,
1: which is all of us because we all consume
2: we all go, we might go to the dentist or Mm. we go to the GP or we might need an ambulance or we might have a chiropractor, um, the dental school you name it, they're all, meals on wheels providers, um, mobility taxis any of these services Mm. which could in a particular capacity come under this legislation so if people have concerns about them they should contact the free independent advocacy service (laughs) that I work for And there are just two of you that are working there at the minute? Uh, Yes we do have a current vacancy, I think it might have closed this Morning, actually. So, yes, um, should be three of us covering the Otago area. We've had a fair amount of turnover in the last two or three years, with for good reasons people have moved on to
1: do different things. So. Yeah, so at the moment, myself and Megan. Okay, I think I've met Megan. So, um, you have been in this role for some time, Gillian. Oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost count. I think it's my 20th year, but it's not been
2: consecutive. I, I escaped twice, but, you escaped but twice. I came back. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I used to uh, manage mental health services for PACT ages ago, which I thoroughly oh, really right. enjoyed. So I, I particularly enjoy the mental health side of the role and prison health that we cover as well. So. Oh,
1: okay. But, so no, I've been
2: there a long time, and there's been lots of changes. Mm. So, um, But what i particularly – I'm just going to pull myself back, just to talk <laughs> about the difference between us and the commissioner's office. Yeah. So – the way I best explain this to people, or the way I best understand it, is that the Health and Disability Commissioner's office, and by the way, we have a new commissioner, a woman. Yay! Um, yes, she's Morag um, has been a um, coroner most recently, and oh, so she's okay. just taken up the role three or four months ago. Mm. So the Health and Disability Commissioner's role is to look back. They're looking back at... Were your rights breached or not? So they're always making a legal determination on did Gillian receive an appropriate standard of care? Did she receive appropriate communication? Did she consent to having a wisdom tooth taken out? Whatever mm. it might be. So they are looking back at evidence and people can make, anybody in New Zealand can make a complaint to them. They can do that online by going to hdc.com. Uh, www.hdc.org.nz um, or an advocate can help them. So they are looking backwards and, and it can be a long process and it's a, at the end of it all there will be a legal um, finding and there might be recommendations for improvement. Now, an advocate is... The opposite to that. So we're actually looking forward. So we're about a future relationship. So we're the commissioner. Uh, Anybody can go to the commissioner and she's a neutral legal investigator for an advocate We can only work with the person who themselves has received the service. So if you wanted to talk to me about your son or your daughter, I'd have to say, no, I have to work with them. So we can only be instructed by the person. Uh, We're not allowed to investigate, so I take on face value, what you tell me your experience was. Yeah. Um, I am not... um, able ever to say that your rights were breached. That's that's a legal opinion. Okay. What I am here to do is to support you to try and get a resolution at a local level where you feel you can move forward. So I describe what we do as relationship work. So we, we I can't change your experience. Let's say yep. that you, you um, feel that the district nurse was too rough when they Took a bandage off. Okay. I can't undo that for you, mm. uh, but what we can do is try and put some boundaries around. How do you want that service to be in the future? Do you need to put a protocol in place? Is there a specific person you don't want to have because legally you're entitled to your choice? Spoiler alert: that's the next section. <laughs> but you do you do have options about who provides the, yes, the treatment yeah. that you receive.
1: Um, that's so really important.
2: It, it is. So so an advocate is helping a person find out what the options are for how they can try and get some resolution to an event that's happened. I can't tell you it was um, a breach of your rights or not. That's something that the Commissioner's Office would do. Okay. So they're looking back and making a finding. We're trying to put some things in
1: place so you won't have a similar experience again. So quite different roles. Yeah, quite different roles. and it's And it is really important for people, quite often people I don't think are aware of their rights. And that's, uh, it dumbfounds me. Yeah. And
2: for those of you people listening who don't know me, I'm partially sighted. And so the the idea that people say, oh, but we've got a poster on the wall, so you ought to know your rights. <laughs> yes. Um, for many reasons, people aren't aware. It might be that, um, you know, value forgot your glasses, so you can't uh-huh. read it today. Or I might have literacy issues, or I might be dyslexic, or I might be colour blind, And one of our posters is in red, um, or, you know, English is a second language. Or actually, I'm just too short and your post is too high. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's an obligation on people who provide health or disability services to make sure that the information is available to the people who use their service. So it's more than just having a poster pinned on a notice board. There should be a, a conversation about it. Mm. Um, a lot of agencies will give out our advocacy pamphlets or yeah. our business cards. But there is an onus under under the code where we all have 10 rights. Another spoiler alert. this will, I'll go into more detail with this later. But providers have two responsibilities. Mm. And one of those is that they need to let their consumer groups know, should they have a concern, how to be able to contact the advocacy service. So having a poster on your wall doesn't cut it. You really need to be having... Uh, And we as consumers need to be getting far more information um, from the people we go to.
1: Yeah, and and about, like I'm thinking in in my practice that I could be more proactive in giving people those because I have a multitude of the little red pamphlets. Yes. But actually that could be the topic for next month's group meetings is that we talk about your rights when when, you're... When receiving a health or disability service Mm. because at some point everybody does. Absolutely. So this would be, for me, this would be for my clients and their families and support workers as well because you're have you never in isolation. No. No. No man is an island. I call it a refresher. I think that Mm. it becomes wallpaper. We're used to seeing the red poster around
2: and we all think we know it. And then when something goes awry and you're completely knocked for six because you never thought that would happen from, from yes. your, I, I don't know, your eye specialist or the diabetic nurse or mm. breast screening or whatever it might be, then you kind of go, need to go back to that and remind yourself, actually, that wasn't okay. And when I look at these 10 rights, two or three of those rights weren't really met in the way I needed them. So it, it's the kind of legislation that you don't really bother about until you need it. And then when yeah. you need it, you
1: need to know what you are entitled to. Yeah, and I think it's, like, it's just, it's it's knowing your basic, I mean, it's basic human rights, isn't it? And that people, uh, we all face different decisions at different times, but it's also, it's a way of, actually, if you can read through the 10 rights and then go, they were all met for me. Yes. Or they weren't. Yes. And if they weren't, then there needs to be a discussion about why, why they, they weren't met. Absolutely,
2: weren't met. And that's a good point you raised, Val, because um, if the Health and Disability Commissioner ever investigates anything, then what she's looking at, her threshold is always, was it reasonable in the circumstances? Mm. So not, was it best practice? Did they get it 100% right? But was it reasonable? So if people make a human error, yeah, um, and they own it and they acknowledge it and they try and put it right, you know, that's quite reasonable. But if you discover two or three years later when you get your, your file that, you know, you had a tumour and nobody explained it to you and it's now grown, um, well call me, uh, but, yeah, but also, yeah. you know, ACC, delayed treatment, you know, treatment error, all sorts of things. So, so I think knowing what, is, what the quality is, because the 10 rights mandate the quality of care everybody in New Zealand should, should receive. Whether you are a resident, whether mm-hmm. you're a tourist, Joke, there aren't many at the moment, but um, you don't have to be a New Zealand resident. So it might be an international student Mm. who hasn't been able to return home um, because of COVID. So they may have to pay for their healthcare. They they may have health insurance, but they still have the ten rights that you and I have, that everybody in prison has, anybody in a dementia unit, anybody in an incubator, a, a new baby. Those ten rights apply to every single person in New Zealand, whether you're a resident or not. So it's it's a really good. Um, egalitarian piece of law that, that covers every... And in fact, sometimes ACC are now covering um, situations for people that have occurred overseas where oh, okay. where there needs to be treatment back in New Zealand. So, yeah. you know, it, it's always worth... If people have got a situation and you're not sure whether that's something advocacy can help with or not, for goodness sake, contact us. Because if it's not us, we will hopefully know
1: who, who to we can go refer to. you to. Yeah, and and that's... Knowing who to go to is quite often a fantastic knowledge to have for other... It, yeah. Like, I know random things, and people know I know random things, but it's quite useful at some p- yes. point to have that and to know that if someone had an issue, then, OK, we'll go and talk to Gillian or Megan and um, see what support you can get around that or if, actually, you would have a case going forward mm-hmm. or things like that. So it's a... Uh, like, as a consumer of, of health, as everybody else is, whether or not you want to be... Um, mm-hmm. And and particularly because, like, I'm thinking back to when I was in hospital and in a very vulnerable situation. And there were things that happened that I perhaps should have acted on. Using using that hey, as a standard. Guess what,
2: Val? It's never too late. There is no time delay in our legislation. That people people come to us about events that happened twenty years ago. Don't forget, this has been law for twenty five years. Mm. Now, the the downside is people may have died, they may have left the country, they may no longer work there. But there is no time limit on making a complaint. Um, and uh, one of the mantras that we have is. of people need to heal before they complain, but 50% of people need to complain before they can heal. Ah. And so for some people, when a bad event happens, they park it until they feel strong enough to deal with it. But for a lot of people, they, they contact us straight away because they feel until they've dealt with it in some way, they can't relax and, mm. and take care of themselves. So so if you, if there are events that have happened previously, then you are very welcome to come and talk to us about that. Uh, not, not you specifically, although no, no, of course you can. But people who might be listening do not think because it happened two or three years ago that it's too late. It's not at all. We, the, the legislation allows you to go right back to 1 July
1: 1996. OK, that's, I'm just thinking of, in another context that's quite interesting for... Um, other people that I know that not the people I work with, but other people. Mm. So we are going to listen to Gillian's choice of song, which was "Don't Worry, Be Happy" by Bobby McFerrin, as today's musical interlude. <coughs> <coughs>
0: Don't bring everybody down like Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy.
1: That was Don't Worry, Be Happy, chosen by Gillian from the Nationwide Health and Disability Advocacy Service. So, Gillian, we've just been having a chat about... Um, the health and disability rights and we will be covering them in the second part of this so what else would you like people to know how to contact you yes and also
2: what to expect if they contact us yeah so we are a resource mm-hmm. we are here to support people in the way that they need so um somebody contacted me this morning actually and said that they've talked to somebody who would taken down the details and was going to look into it. And I said, well, that won't be us because we don't look into things. It's not what we do. We don't look into things. Um, We work with people. So if, for instance, let's say you came to me, Val, Hmm. about, um, let me think, about a social worker that you had some involvement with and that you were unhappy with their professionalism, let's say. So I would say to you, there are three different ways I could be working with you. The first way is you might decide you want to go to the Health and Disability Commissioner. Mm. You might feel that your issue is uh, public safety issue or a systems failure and that it might impact on lots of other people not Mm. just you and so I would say you could do that yourself online or if that was an issue for you uh, I would support you to do that so the first way I could help you is I could help you go to the commissioner that's your call not my call about whether you think that's where it wants to go Uh, I'm never allowed to put my own judgment into what you should be doing so I'll be dodging that question if you ask me what I think (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll say well these are the options so the two ways I can support you as an mm-hmm. advocate, are for those who are interested in law, under Section 30 of the Health and Disability Commissioner Act, uh, the functions of an advocate, it says I either assist you, yeah. so I'm invisible, but I'm mentoring you to do it yourself, so we okay. might write a complaint letter together, we might role play at a meeting, you might debrief with me after you've done a yeah. phone call, but I'm, you're owning it, I'm invisible. Or section thirty says I represent you, which means our organisation takes the complaint on your behalf. So it's under my name, and therefore it's my letter. And so, okay. So that, does that give anonymity? Uh, No, 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 it does not, Uh, because I I would be saying I'm writing on behalf of Val, um, who's asked me to contact you for the following reasons, these are her issues, this is what she would like to happen as a result, Yeah. and so the two choices when working with me are if you want to front it yourself, I will support you 100% of the way, but I'm... I yep. have anonymity that yep. the, the provider would not know you're working with an advocate or okay. you hand over ownership of the issue to me yep. and trust my judgement obviously I will work on the complaint letter with you yep. but I have the final sign off because it's my letter yes. and so it has to be professional it has to be consistent with our in-house standards yep. um, sometimes a manager has to approve it depending on the content okay. so so a lot of it's, I was going to say a lot of people it's about 50-50 some people like to do it themselves mm-hmm. um, Um, and have the control to write six pages about what happened on Saturday. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. Other people really want it to have my name on it because they think it will have more clout that it's come from the, the advocacy service, in which case the summary of what happened is very brief because I don't focus on what's happened. I can't change that. I'm no. focusing on what needs to happen next, how they can put things right so you'll feel comfortable re-engaging with that service. So it's, it's a bit of a difference. And those are the conversations I have. So if you rang me saying, I want to make a complaint about my social worker, yeah. I'd be saying, well, just let me take you through what the options are. We could go to the commissioner if you felt it was a, a, a um, health and safe, a safety issue or a... Um, systems issue that could affect Mm. lots of people or we can do it locally with either me supporting you or me taking ownership of it and I would always talk about what the consequences are. I can't get people fired, I can't get you a million dollars compensation Um, (laughs) but I can do what I can legally do which is Get you explanations. Get you information. Support you to be in a room with people to hear, you know, verbally what what their rationale for doing things was. Um, ask about information about future treatment. Try and put in place treatment plans or protocols for how things should be differently next time round. So, so those are if you. So if a person contacts us. Either on our 0800 number, which mm-hmm. is 0800 555 050, or by our website, which is www.advocacy.org.nz or our local number, which is 034790265. So if people contact us, that's the very first thing we'll do is talk about what our role is, mm-hmm. what the limits on what we can achieve are, and make sure people are comfortable opting in to work with us. So they're not expecting that we can deliver a head on a plate, um, yeah. but they, they know what the the, the the boundaries around what we can achieve are. But I always say to people, you'll have more information at the end of this process than you have now. And that's got to be better than feeling angry and disappointed let's try and move on with those feelings and, and, and get something positive out of what's been a poor experience
1: Yeah, that's lovely thank you, we have to finish because we're running out of time Gillian, so this has been MS Momentum with Valerie and special radio guest Gillian and we will be back later in the month with the second part The Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society aims to empower people with multiple sclerosis and their families by providing them with information and skills to participate actively in the community in ways that are meaningful to them. msotago.org.nz or give us a call toll-free on, on 0508 MS Otago. That's 0508 6768 246 Multiple Sclerosis Society Working for the
0: People of Otago